Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. Please join us on Wednesday, March 8th to celebrate International Women's Day at the third annual Empowerography Live Women's Online Conference. The event will be running from 9.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will have 31 of the most incredibly inspirational, transformative, and influential women around who will be speaking at the conference. You can pick up tickets on my website at www.empowerographypodcast.com. They're on sale now for only $20 Canadian. That's $15 for our U.S. friends. We hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Jody Graham. She is a certified collaboration coach and a financial professional. Welcome, Jody. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you today, Brad? I am doing awesome. I am very happy and honored to have you here today. So thank you for making and taking the time to be here as my guest and share a little bit about your story and your journey. I'm really excited to jump in and learn more about who you are and what you do and share your story with the audience. So thank you. Awesome. I'm honored to be here. Really excited. So Jody, how long have you been a professional collaboration coach? So I started my coaching journey back in 2016. I've been a financial professional for almost 30 years, but wow, actually started in 2016 when I got my undergraduate certification from Royal Roads University and I, oh, I was instantly hooked. Like I just, <laughs> I just fell in love with coaching. Like I didn't even really know what coaching was up till that point. What a tennis coach, a golf coach. What? Yeah, right? like, <laughs> I'd heard of executive coaches, but like when I heard that, I thought of like the Tony Robbins of the world, right? Like I didn't, right. I didn't really think about it as a thing that I could do. Like when I went to Royal Roads, it was just, it was an instant love affair with your first love. I love it. That's awesome. (laughs) So for those who might not know or be aware, what is a collaboration coach? Because I haven't heard that term very often. Well, and you probably haven't because it's something that I ended up having to develop on my own. Okay. Not it's necessarily widely out there. So let me kind of explain how it came. Yeah. So I coach in two I would say different yet similar disciplines. So I coach in leadership and workplace restoration development, but I also coach in divorcing. So I coach. And so when I started working on social media, things like LinkedIn, I needed to have a way to describe what I do in a way that would resonate with both sides. If I put myself as an executive coach, I wouldn't resonate with my divorce coach clients. If I put myself as a divorce coach, I wouldn't resonate with my leadership and workplace restoration clients. So I I started doing a little bit of a mind map and thinking, okay, well, what are the pieces that are common? And when it comes down to it is to improve the workplace and leadership takes collaboration. And when you're going through divorce, it takes collaboration. And I've been certified through the International Collaborative Professionals. And so I thought, you know, if I put collaboration coach, that can resonate with both sides and stay true to who I am in the practice that I have. I love it because it envelops multiple things. You could use that. A term can be very widely used. 
Absolutely. And it just, it really just seemed to resonate and it really has opened up some opportunities because just like you asked, I've had people on LinkedIn, for example, say, Hey, what's a collaboration coach? Can you tell me more? And it's led to different conversations. So I've just kind of embraced it. It's now how I refer to myself. I'm a collaboration coach. I work with people to help them collaborate in the workplace, as well as, as they're going through some of life's hardest challenges when they're going through divorce. I love it because it also, I mean, if you decided you wanted to expand and bring something else in under your belt as a skill set, another modality, we'll call it, of coaching, it, it just falls under that collaboration coach umbrella. Absolutely. I love that. Brilliant, brilliant foresight. I love it, Jody. <laughs> so why have you decided to focus your energy on business on helping to empower women? I'm curious. Did this journey begin with some of your own personal struggles? Yeah, my decision to work predominantly with women. I do work with men as well, but I do mm. definitely enjoy and and my passion is working with women did definitely come from my own journey. I went through divorce in 2013. I completely lost who I was in my marriage and I had a bit of a tough journey coming back. I had to start really digging into my my spirit, my self-worth, my identity because I, I really kind of felt broken coming out of that. And then I, unfortunately in 2020, I experienced harassment in the workplace and I knew from that journey that I needed to, you know, step into that space again. And I think where I really feel passion working for women is my experience has been that so often women feel stuck and they feel like they don't have the ability to kind of take that step and step up for themselves. And I've had to do it in two different situations. I'm a firm believer that if you don't learn the lesson once, it keeps showing up for you in life until you learn the lesson. So I went through a lot of hard lessons in my marriage that I had to stand up against. I did a lot of work, but it showed up again in my personal life because there were still some things I needed to learn. So I feel like I need to help women find their voice in such situations. So it's been an honor to work with, with a number of women in my coaching career and in my financial career as well. What was the breaking point or light bulb moment for you with your own personal story where you said to yourself, okay, I've got to, I've really got to stop this and, and start putting Jody first and get out of this and, and come out the other side. You know, I first thought about leaving my marriage 10 years earlier than I did. My kids at the time would have been four, six, and eight. And I was really worried about the impact that a divorce would have on them. There were times even within my marriage that there was some manipulation going on from my ex-husband kind of pitting him against me as far as the concerned. And I was really worried that if I left when they were that young, they wouldn't know any better to know. So I, I stuck it out. I would say the light bulb moment for me was when I turned 40, I started to realize that I was showing my kids what an unhealthy relationship looked like. I was showing my kids what mental health struggles looked like. Cause I was, I was struggling with depression, anxiety, like passive aggressive behavior coming from my spouse. So I was teaching them how I I wouldn't want them to live. And so the right. light bulb moment for me was now 10 years, fast forward 10 years, they're now 14, 16 and 18. They're heading into the world of adulthood on their own. And it's like, geez, if I don't take a step and stand up for myself, what am I teaching them? And true, it was such a impactful moment that it was just like, I I just can't keep going down this road because I, I'm not doing them a service forward. And 
and it was the best decision I've ever made. It was the hardest decision I've ever had to make, but it was the sure. best decision that I ever, ever had to make. And so who did you have to turn to for support and to help you get through? I had a really strong network of friends. Okay. It's funny. I have a tattoo on my ankle now that has, it looks like an anklet with Zodiac signs. And it's of the three people that really supported me and helping me to get through my divorce. And each of them played a different part. Like I had one friend that was my ass kicker. She would, (laughs) she would tell it like it is when I'd get into my pity party, she would tell me to pull up my big girl pants and, you know, start taking control. I had another friend that was more the telling me a little bit more about what I wanted to hear and you're going to be okay and you're going to get through this and everything's going to be all right. And then I had another friend that was really just my logical, she would help me logic things out and, and she was just a good support network and she would just listen. So I had a really strong network of friends. And of course I went to therapy. I ended up hiring my own coach going through it. And so I think that's a little bit where my passion for divorce coaching came through. My coach wasn't an official divorce coach, but she was a coach nonetheless. And I started to look at the world of coaching a little bit differently, but that one, like the coach part came a little bit later in my journey, but it was still pivotal in a lot of the healing that I've had to do. I'm sure. I mean, you, as a divorce coach, now you have your experiences to draw on as well in order to help your clients. Absolutely. And it's so important. I love that you said you had that support system because I think that we need to to realize that we need these systems in place. We need support systems and it's okay to ask for help, which I think is a big problem for a lot of people is first of all, admitting that they need the help and the support. And I think that's a big problem for women because women have been conditioned to believe that they can do it all. They can handle it all because they're strong. And women are strong, a lot stronger than men, but I think the conditioning that women are told, oh, you can handle this and you can, it's okay to ask for help. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no shame in it. it support is often viewed as a sign of weakness. Asking yes. And but it's not. It's just the opposite, I think. It's strength. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the strongest things that I ever did was to be able to say to somebody, hey, I think I need some help. Like I, I had a nervous yeah. on going through my divorce. I was not showing up as my best self during the divorce. And fortunately, I had a great boss at the time. He's passed away now and I I miss him every day. But he walked into my office one day after I'd had a really bad day and and I had lost a sense of who I was. And I was showing up at the office in not a good way. And he walked into my office and he closed the door and he said, I need to talk to you about what happened yesterday. And I was completely oblivious, honestly. And he said, I need to know what the hell happened in there. And I was like, I was gobsmacked. I'm just like, what are you talking about? And he pointed out some behaviors that were nothing that I would be proud of. And I'm not proud of it. And yet when I think back now, I really don't even remember that meeting because I was so in my stuff. Yeah. I could not be my best self for anybody at the office. And I fell apart. And I ended up taking a couple months off work while I finalized my divorce and just focused on filling my own tank and moving forward in a way that honored who I was and what I needed at the time. But I don't think I could have done it if I didn't have somebody calling me on my stuff. And that's 
it was so important in the healing journey. But realizing that you needed that time is key, right? I mean, so many people would just push through and keep going and keep going. And no, it's, it, there is no shame whatsoever in asking for help and for taking time for you. We yeah. all need that. And I wish more people would recognize that. And I had to do the same thing. I mentioned earlier that I had to go through harassment in the workplace. And, yeah. you know, the divorce was absolutely life-changing. And I took a couple of months, I think, to go through and, and work that out. Going through harassment in the workplace, it took me almost a year. Holy shit. Because I was in a much better place in order to stand up against the harassment. But it affected me. It affected my mental health in a in a crazy way that I was never expecting. And so it took me almost a year to work through because it killed my confidence in the workplace. My divorce killed my, it was killing my self-confidence, like my marriage and all that. But I had prided myself through that whole divorce on my professionalism and my career and my smarts and my successes in my career. So when my divorce was happening, I had my career to fall back on Right. To give me the self-confidence that I needed to keep moving forward. When I was going through the harassment in the workplace, I now all of a sudden it's like, wait a second. I felt like I was being completely alienated and my self-confidence to go back into the workplace. I felt like I couldn't do it. Am I that like, am I bad? What did I do to deserve this? And it, it took me almost a year of a lot of work with therapy and coaching and support from my family and my friends to really step back into the workplace and realize that it wasn't my fault. And look at you now, here yeah. you are, and you're coaching and helping to empower women. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that in that year, I realized that I needed to take a bigger step in bringing about change. Cause actually what I went through, the harassment itself was bad going yeah. the process of trying to get resolution actually affected me more. And, and did so, you get resolution? I would say I got through it. I didn't get the mm. resolution that I was hoping for. I would say that because I didn't get the resolution I was looking for, it created a greater level of passion to bring about change. And it reignited my passion for coaching. And I changed where my focus was in moving forward with coaching. Well, then that's huge then. That, that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I take it now as a win. Didn't for a long time. I was resentful for a long time. I was bitter for a long time. I've made peace with it and I've had the conversations that I needed to have. And the last conversation that I had was with the head of the organization that I was working for at the time. I shared with him where I felt they needed to make some changes. He took notes. I don't know what he's going to do with that. It, at this, yeah. It's not for me to decide anymore. It's in his hands. But I said what I needed to say. And I've closed that chapter, but I'm using it as a, as a springboard to help other organizations now, other municipalities to hopefully bring about change in their organizations and, and do better when they are dealing. So with see some good has come out of your experience, which is yeah. what the important part is. And you had the, the self-awareness and the wherewithal to use your voice yeah. to, hopefully further things for other women coming up and maybe going through similar things. So I think that's huge. That's a huge win. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see where organizations get to the point where they say, okay, whether you are the, the complainant in a harassment complaint or the respondent, because there's two sides to both. Yeah. And there are cases where people 
put in a harassment complaint and it turns out not to be considered harassment. But what both of those sides go through can be extremely hard and extremely traumatic. And I would love to see where organizations say, okay, you are now part of a harassment complaint, no matter what side of the coin you're on, we are going to hire you a coach to help you navigate and advocate for yourself going through this process. Well, because it's, I think it, it's brutally sorry, hard. It's brutally yeah. hard. And there's, as you know, you've been through it. There are so many unknowns and just having somebody that can help you to navigate and advocate is, I think, would be, it would be key to reducing the amount of turnover because I left the organization because I didn't feel I could trust going back. I've also spoken to people that were on the receiving end, like they were accused of being a harasser and it turned out that they came back, they were exonerated, but they also left the organization because they didn't feel the organization had their back through the process. So the cost of turnover is really high for an organization. And yet we don't do our best to make sure that when people have to go through that, that they have a way to come back and feel confident coming back. Yeah. And the tools to deal with it as they're going through it. Exactly. I look at the training that I've had and the work that I do. I was in a really good place to work through that. And it still took me a long time. What about the people that don't have the tools that I had? Yeah, for sure. And so how have these experiences helped shape the Jody you are today, do you think, both personally and professionally? Oh, gosh, I am so much stronger than I used to be. I was born, I would say, fiercely independent. My mother would say very stubborn. Um, (laughs) I I came out of the womb a very determined person and very set on what I thought I wanted I never would have seen myself going into a verbally abusive marriage I never would have seen myself putting up with any kind of harassment in the workplace and yet I went through it and I feel it's because I was put on this earth to learn a lesson and to figure out how to speak about it and and help others to learn from it. But I would say those experiences have made me first and foremost, far stronger than I ever would have could have thought that I could have been. It has made me far more articulate in being able to speak up for what I need. And I would also say that it has made me a better mother to be able to talk to my kids about have maybe some difficult things because I'm not shy away from hard conversations. And it's, it's just made me overall a stronger, stronger person and more self-aware. I would say that's probably the biggest shift that I've seen is my level of awareness of who I am, how I'm showing up and just what's happening even within my body has been a complete shift because I find that as soon as I become aware of something, I can start to figure out how to tackle it. Whereas before, I think like going through my marriage for so many years, I was completely unaware of really what was happening to me. And I have huge self-awareness now. And that's a huge piece that that self-awareness is so massive. Absolutely. It's just, it's the beginning of everything. I feel like yeah, is you get that level of awareness and it's like, somebody told me one time, if you can name what's happening to you, it means that it's happened to somebody else. And if it's happened to somebody else, that means there's solutions out there. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's the internet, there's books, there's, you know, people that you can talk to, there's therapy. So when you can name something, like I was able to name verbal abuse in my relationship. I was able to name harassment. Like once you've been able to name it and you've got that level of self-awareness, you can now go in search of the tools 
to help you find the solution. So for me, it all comes down to, and that's when I work with my clients, one of the first things I do is try to help them raise the awareness of where are they at. And I try to meet them where they're at so that we can start working through together from that place of awareness. I think that's an important skill set as a coach is to meet your clients where they're at. Yeah. And having gone through those two big, big things, where they're at in the process, if they're at the very beginning of the process, we're going to be looking at things very differently than if they're midway through or closer to the end. You're the owner and founder of E equals MC3 coaching and consulting. I love the name. How did you come up with the name? And can you share a little bit about the mission of the company of the business? So literally it happened while I was driving home from work one day. <laughs> um, I was listening. I'm a, I'm a big uh, podcast slash audio book. I have about a 40 yeah. minute commute to and from work every day. So I was listening to Jen Pasteloff's book on being human. And she was talking about running like some of the retreats and stuff that she does. And I thought, oh man, I want to do that. I like that. Like just the vibe and being able to lift women up through a retreat setting. It was always something that's like, oh, I would just love to do that. And so then I started thinking, it's like, you know, I talking, thinking about, well, I could help increase people's energy. I could help with their communication, helping them to find some courage. And so I just started kind of doing some playing around with words. And I kind of ended up landing on two areas and both of them worked. And I use them both kind of interchangeably. Um, depending on some of the work that I'm doing. But the first one came I kid that came up was energy equals movement, courage, compassion, and connection. So that was kind of the first one. And then the second one was, you know, like if you're looking at it from a, a leadership perspective, you want to engage your staff and engage yep. working with. So then it became engagement through motivation, communication, connection, and commitment. And it's like, I can use that in so many ways, similar to when we talked about the collaboration coaching. Yeah mean different things to different people and it just kind of stuck so i I started using e equals mc3 coaching and consulting and i feel like it's just something that i can use and grow as i use it as i grow as as a business and so my vision for my company is to elevate the quality of life of every client through empowering relationships effective communication and increased confidence And my mission is to provide inspiring solutions tailored to the needs of each of my clients through a process of discovery, collaboration, and connection. Because I feel like my clients aren't cookie cutters. And so I like to be able to tailor. Like I'm not going to come out and say, well, I'm everything to everybody because I'm not. No coach should ever be. But if they come to me with something that is in my area of expertise, I'm not going to just say, okay, well, here's your program. Let's go. tell me what's going on and I will tailor to what they need. Like, do they need extra communication coaching so that they can engage their staff differently? Do they need to learn how to have that hard conversation? Whatever the case might be, I tailor to what they're looking for based on my area of expertise. And so what type of person or client is your ideal client? Like what types of things do you look for in a potential client before deciding to work with them? So when I'm looking for somebody who's going through the divorce process, I'm really looking for somebody that is looking for the support that they need to figure out what life is going to look like moving forward. Coming out of divorce, I was the one that chose to leave my marriage. And yet I was extremely overwhelmed when I left because now I was responsible for everything. So when I'm looking for a client on the divorce side of things, it's are they willing and wanting to get a hold of their life moving forward? 
and willing to do the work to start helping them to move forward? And are they coming with such a firm view from a financial perspective? Because that's really where the financial piece comes into my coaching business is I actually help them go through and work through their financials, both from a, what will life look like post-divorce from a financial perspective? And looking at the division of property, it doesn't always have to be 50-50. So look at it from an interest-based perspective and figure out what the levers are that you can pull to help you get to where you need to be, even if it doesn't mean 50-50. So I look for people that are willing to look in that direction. If somebody comes to me and says, I need absolutely 50-50, nothing else is going to go. And they're not looking like they're going to be willing to budge, that you're probably not my person. But if you're willing to come and explore and see what the possibilities are and be open, you're going to be my person and I'll be able to help you get there. And it's kind of the same thing on the leadership development side. If you're willing to come and look within and see what you can do differently as a leader and as an individual to move forward, I am more than happy to work with you. But if you're going to come to me and basically say, well, I think I know it all. I just, you know, somebody's telling me I need (laughs) need to come and talk to you. Like if if you're being forced into coaching, then I'm probably not your person if you're not willing to do the work. I want to work with people that are willing to dig in and do the work and are quite okay with me holding up the mirror to them and saying, are you willing? Because if you're not willing to do the work, you're going to be paying me to to dig your feet in. And that's not going to help either one of us. That's what I look for is I look for people that are really willing to dig in and do the work. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do? Oh my goodness. I love, 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 love seeing my clients have that aha moment <laughs> where they come to me. Like there was one client that I was working with and I can share because I don't need to describe her name, but she was a, one of my divorce clients came in, you know, I absolutely need to be able to keep the house. And it was like, I started kind of digging into that, figuring out why and, and questioning a little bit and keeping that house was going to actually potentially prevent her from being able to move forward with things financially. And it could have actually completely derailed where she was going from a divorce perspective. And I, I just said to her, you know, have you, have you thought about what it would look like not being in that? And she's like, nope, because I absolutely need to be here. And as I was talking to her, I quickly just got onto the realtor website and I, I knew where she needed to be from a area perspective, found a cute little condo that was going to be less. It was going to cost her less money. And I just sent her a listing. I'm like, how about this? And she's like, oh my God, that's nicer than the one that I have. And I could afford that 180 shift in like two minutes. That is and, huge. Yeah. And she let go of the idea that the house had to stay. And, you know, she's still working through it. She's not done her divorce yet, but letting go of that idea, just, she said to me a couple of times, the weight was just gone because it gave her another option. And so when I see my clients have those aha moments and then they're excited on the next call and they start to make progress that they weren't making up till that point, that just lights me up and fills my cup. Now, on the flip side of that, what would you say is one of the most challenging parts about the work that you do? When you get those clients that, as I said earlier, you know, they're, they've kind of been told they should hire a coach, but they're not really sure they're buying into it yet. And, you know, sometimes it starts out rough and can, it turns around, but I've, I've had a couple of clients where, you know, they truly don't want to necessarily do the self-reflection. They 
aren't willing to kind of dig in and it's always everybody else's problem. It's not theirs and they're not willing to look within. And it seems like no matter what you say or what you do, they just, they're not willing to do the work. And I've actually let a couple of clients go because it's like, you know what, I'm not going to take your money to sit and talk to you when you're not willing, you're not ready to do the work. And so it's, yeah, that I find to be the hardest. I always will give it an, a good old college try to get <laughs> to that point, but it comes a point where it's like, I don't feel like it's congruent with who I am to, yeah. you know, to say, oh, well, you paid for 12 weeks so or 12 sessions. So I'm going to take you to all 12 sessions, even if you're not doing any of the work. You know, I'll, but I I'll, think that's huge, though, that you have the awareness to say, you know what, and that just shows what type of a coach you are, because you're not in it just for the money. The fact that you're willing to say, you know what, if you're not willing to do the work, I'm not willing to take your money. This isn't this isn't my kind of arrangement like that. That's not what I'm about. Yeah, because to me, it's like I said, it, it's incongruent with who I am. Yeah. And, and I have said to a couple of clients to say, you know, by all means, please call me back when you're ready, when you're ready right. to work come on back because I'd love to work with you, but you need to be ready. That's so, huge. Kudos yeah. to you. Yep. You say that you've transferred your energy from bitterness and resentment to empowerment and strength and have stepped into your strength and work with others to do the same. How hard for you was that mindset shift and what tools or techniques did you use to get yourself to that point? So I would say it's taken me a long time to get that shift going because what I want people to realize I guess is that some shifts can happen really quick but other shifts can take a long time it took me quite a while to work through like it, it certainly I didn't go through my divorce and then a week later I was all great and wonderful it took me a couple of years to to really start digging in doing the work getting that level of awareness that I would say I have now there was a lot of trial and error and you know, it still shows up for me for some, from time to time. Like nobody's perfect. It, you can do all the work in the world and you can still have things show up. But the mindset shift for me has, has been, as I said earlier, it's that level of awareness of saying, okay, you know what? Hey, this has shown up. What's it telling me? And what kind of work can I do moving forward? And so some of the tools that I used in helping to get to that level of mind shift, obviously I've worked with a therapist off and on for years to help me navigate things that have shown up for me from my past. I would say I had a Norman Rockwell type growth and development as a child and an adolescent, but there's still things that happened in my life as a, as a kid that you know, can be some triggers and stuff for me. So I've worked with a therapist. I've worked with and continue to work with coaches as I start to focus on my future and where I want to go. They've really helped me to identify barriers and things that are getting in my way and helping me to start breaking those things down. I'm a lifelong learner. So I take a series of personal development courses that I really help me lean into my shit, as I like to say. And I've really leaned into my spiritual practice, not a religious practice, because I wouldn't consider myself a religious person, but I would certainly consider myself in that realm of spirituality where, you know, I read, I meditate, I journal, I practice gratitude on a regular basis, self-reflection. And, you know, I work every day on finding forgiveness, whether it's forgiving myself, forgiving somebody else, because to me, there's no point in hanging on to it. I need to forgive. Yeah. This is for the person doing the forgiving, not the person you're forgiving. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it did take me a while to get past that feeling of, well, if I forgive, then I'm condoning the behavior. And that's not at all it. 
that was probably one of the lessons that took me the hardest and the longest to learn. What is it that sets you and the work you do apart from other coaches? Like why would they choose to work with you over someone else? I think it's because in both disciplines, whether you're talking about divorce or leadership, I have that lived experience. I've been in the trenches with it and I've done the hard work and the personal growth and development. And, you know, I have been called out for not showing up as my, my best self in both situations, and like that cut to the core. It really did. Yeah. And so I've had to dig in and do the work to make the change as much as I possibly could. And I feel like I'm able to bring that to the work that I do with my clients and it helps them to do the work because when I say I've been there, I've been there. Yeah. You haven't just read in a book or read like documents on how to coach. You've lived the experience. You, you have the life experience and the life skills. Right. And that that's why I've gravitated to the two areas that I do coach in, because I feel like that creates the greatest level of congruency. And, you know, like I know that and one of the things that I learned when I took my coaching is that, you know, you don't have to be a CEO in order to coach a CEO. And, and I believe that. But yeah. I also do believe that when you're dealing with some of the hard, crunchy stuff, sometimes it definitely helps to be able to say, yeah, I've been through a divorce and I know it can yeah. really suck, but there are options. Yeah. And I can say that the to leaders and individuals going through, you know, whether it's harassment or just struggling to connect with their team, I can say, you know what, I've, I've been there. I've, I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've lived it. And here's some of the things that I've done. You know, where can I support you in moving forward to make it better in your world? So yeah, I feel like the lived experience, considering the two disciplines that I've chosen, make me a better coach. So what, in your opinion, then is the most important quality or skill set as a coach, would you say? I think it's the ability to meet people where they are. We've talked about that a little bit earlier, but yeah. I, I do think that that is such an important piece. Like I have worked with one coach that kind of came in feeling like, well, they were going to fix me. I didn't necessarily enjoy that. I didn't stick with that coach for very long before I moved on to a different one because they weren't meeting me where I was at. And it was a case of I was, they were coming at it from where they were at. And so that didn't sit well. So I feel like for me, I am able to hold space that they need to grow and learn. And I'm willing to challenge them to go a little bit deeper. And so I think that is an important skill set for a coach to have. And I allow my clients to be seen, heard, and understood as they're moving hold, through their process. Holding space is definitely an incredibly important skill set to have. And not a lot of people possess it. Not a lot of people can do it. It takes a lot to be able to do that for someone else. Sitting in the silence can be really yeah. hard. <laughs> for sure. It can be really hard. Absolutely. Jody. what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I would say probably determination. I think that word's come up a few times through our chat here today. Once I make my mind up, I take steps every day. Sometimes they're small steps, sometimes they're big steps. But once I make a decision to move forward with something, I move. I move forward with it. And I would say that has been key in my success. When I was working on my professional accounting designation, I had one of my bosses say, because I found out I was pregnant with my second child. And he said to me, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. Most women that get pregnant before they finish, never finish. And he walked away. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, 
are you kidding me? What the actual fuck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, you don't know me very well. So I went on and I finished my designation and I do believe the universe works to con- and conspires for us, not necessarily yeah. against us. So it just so happened that the very day that I got my brand new business cards that had my three letters behind it to indicate that I was now a designated accountant, I was going to a meeting and as I was in downtown Edmonton and I, I ran into him on the sidewalk and I hadn't seen him since I left that organization. Like, well, he actually left the organization before I did, but I hadn't seen him. And it was like years later. And I just said, Hey, do you remember? Me? And he was like, uh, yeah. and I said, well, you look familiar. So I reintroduced myself. He said, Oh yeah. How are you? And I said, I'm great. Jody Grant, CGA. How are you? <laughs> I reminded him, I'm like, do you remember telling me that? And he's like, kind of sheeted away from it. And I said, you know, and that's when I handed him my card. And I said, Jody Graham, CGA, have a nice day. And I walked That is beautiful. The universe worked for me so much in that day because I thought, you know, how dare you? And and how many women have had that happen to them? Exactly. Maybe not so direct because I'm not sure too many people, especially nowadays, I don't think they would be so quite so bold. Bold, yeah. But but even in subtle ways and in passive aggressive ways, how many women come up against that and it starts to change how they look at it and they think, yeah, maybe they're right. Maybe I can't. And they give up. Yeah, absolutely. It it deters them so much. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it to me it was a it was a motivator. Because there were times I was going to school, I was raising babies, I was working full time. And there were a couple of times I thought, maybe I can't do this. And I thought, nope, he like that voice. And it's like, I am not going to let him win. No way. How fucking incredible that must have felt, though. You know, like that's, as they say, the best revenge is success, right? Yep. That is so powerful. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. Good for you, Jody. It's great. I've I've shared that story so many times over and my so career. you should. And it's just like you know, I I just I feel for women that don't get the opportunity or give up on themselves because somebody yeah. planted that seed. It actually pisses. Yeah. Me off. <laughs> As you said, it's a motivator. So I love it. Yeah. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Success to me means doing what I love and doing it authentically. It's not about money. It's not about stature. It's not about any of that. It's doing what I love and doing it authentically. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? Oh, I would say probably the most important message. Oh, this was one of the thought provoking ones that I, you know, when you, we were thinking about it ahead of time coming on here. I think it comes down to needing to love myself enough to stand up for what I need. Before I learned that, my life was full of depression, anxiety, self-doubt, lower self-esteem. And I would say since learning that lesson, I have a great sense of strength and control. I still get anxious from time to time. I still have to deal with anxiety, but I've definitely learned to handle it differently. And I, I take it more as a, okay, why is the anxiety showing up and what can I do about it? I've learned way more about my own level of confidence and who I am and what I actually have to offer to people in my life, whether it's my family, my friends, whatever. And you know, especially kind of who I am as a mom to my three kids. 
Yeah. I know because of what I went through, I'm a better mom and I, I can have really great conversations. My kids are all adults now. Right. So I can have really great conversations and, you know, and they will challenge me on my stuff. Like if I'm not, they call showing, you on your shit. Oh, they do. They call <laughs> me on my shit. And, you know, if I'm not showing up in my best self, my kids will call me on it. Like if I'm on my phone too much, when my daughter's around, she'll say like, what the hell? Put that thing on <laughs> the phone. You know, and, and, you know, my. Good for her. Yeah. All three of my kids at different times have said like, hey, you're not showing up for me. And it's like, all right, yeah. okay, let's get in here. And and that comes from, I I love myself enough where it's like, okay, I also find grace for myself. When I don't show up as my best, I can say, okay, well, that wasn't very good. And I That's can important too, I though. Regroup and move forward. Whereas I would say back, if my kids had called me on my shit when I was in my 30s, the Jody that was in 30, it would have crushed me. And I would have thought I was a bad person because I didn't honor them enough. Now I look at it as I did a bad thing. I think Brene Brown talks about that, right? Versus shame versus guilt. As I did a yeah. bad thing, guilt as I am a bad thing, or the yeah. other way around. I would say that's the same thing. Like if I got called on my shit when I was in my thirties, it would have crushed me. Now yeah. I at it as, okay, what do I need to learn from this? And how do there I need to lift? So that's what I've learned in life is things show up and you got to find the lesson. What do you see as your greatest accomplishment? Oh, I would say my kids. Yeah. My kids, my three children. Like I've had professional success. You know, I make good money, but when I think about what gives me absolute pride is I have three amazing kids. I have two boys and a girl. They're all very bright, contributing members of society. They are beautiful <laughs> humans, very compassionate, extremely proud of each and every one of them in their own unique way. And I feel like I've left a piece of me. Like when I leave this world, they will continue with what I've given them. And then that hopefully that carries on through generations. So my greatest accomplishment is being a stellar mom. And I know that I have, <laughs> been, I have been a better mom in the last 10 years than I was in the, in the previous. Yeah. But parenthood, I mean, kids don't come with a manual. We learn as we go. It's like on the job learning. So we're going to make mistakes. We're human beings. And as long as we learn from them and move forward, carrying those lessons with us and do better, that's all that matters. Yep. Absolutely. And you know, that's, I think I heard somewhere you have, you're an infant, you have an infant, you're an infant parent, you're as a adolescent, you're an adolescent parent. Yeah, for you, sure. You grow as they grow. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, so yeah, I have thoroughly enjoyed. That's one of my my greatest loves for sure is my three babies. And they're not babies anymore, but they're <laughs> like babies. What is one of your biggest failures or we'll call them life lessons or teachable moments? And what did you learn from it? Oh, you know, I think my, my probably at this, I had to really think when, you know, my biggest failure, I think is, oh, Probably my first marriage. I've wondered over the years, like I'm remarried now and I'm happily married, my second husband, but I've wondered over the years that if I had done some of this work earlier in my life and I had done it inside of my first marriage instead of after it was over, wondering if we maybe could have made it work where, you know, I, I think my kids would have liked to have seen their parents stay together. Although I will say all three of my kids have told me at different times since that both my ex-husband and I are better people apart than we ever were together. 
which to me is a sign of health in, in their mental health. But for sure, what I've learned is really, you need to live in the moment and do the work that I need to do now so that I don't ever have to wonder if I could have done more or if I could have done better and knowing I did all I could. So I don't necessarily know that I did all that I could inside my first marriage because I didn't work on me in the first marriage. That's an important piece. Yeah. But you know what? It's done and he's in a better place. I'm in a better place. And so I'm not going to dwell on it, but I, I do wonder every now and again, if I had done the work on me inside the marriage, would it have worked? What does the word empowerment mean to you, Jody? I think it's the ability to step into the mud and the muck and to do the work, knowing that at the end of it all, you're going to be in a better place, even when you're working with the hard in between. So what I mean by that is where you start, where you're not in a great place and where you end, where you're feeling more empowered There's that whole piece in between that can get really, really, somebody said it the other day to me, it's the messy middle. And I think empowerment is when you know you're going to step into that messy middle, but you're willing to do it anyway. And you come out stronger on the other side. Beautiful. What is one of your favorite quotes? I've got a few, but I think one of them is, I believe it's Ralph Waldo Emerson, or can't remember his name exactly. But it's what lies before us and what lies behind us are tiny compared to what lies within us. I like that one. I've never heard that one before. That's a great one. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Hey, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions would just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Ultimate forgiveness. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Love yourself enough first and the rest will follow. How would you describe yourself in one word? Determined. What never fails to make you laugh? The belly laugh of a baby. (laughs) I just laugh thinking about it. Right? You just can't help it. Yeah. What is your favorite self-care practice? I would say lately, over the years it changed, but lately it's been my morning routine. So I wake up early. I read, whether like from a personal development book of some sort, while I have a cup of coffee, I meditate, I journal, I practice gratitude, and I move all before I go to work. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Okay. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Oh, goodness. Finding balance. Nobody dies wishing they had spent one more day at the office. You know, I, I know that as you're working the career ladder, People put in crazy hours and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, my my dad passed away in 2017 and he was growing up. He was definitely a workaholic. He was away a lot. And what I wouldn't give to have spent more time with him as a kid, because I don't have a lot of memories of doing things with him that were fun as a kid. There were a few, but yeah, I wish people would figure it out earlier that you need to find balance and spend time with the people that you love. The rest will for sure. Rest will life is short. Life is way too short. The rest will come. What's something surprising you've learned about yourself in the last year? I would say probably that even though I've done a lot of work on myself and I think I've come a long way, that I still find that when I disappoint 
people in my life, especially people that I care about, it hurts me to my core. And I, okay. I know I need to dive into that a little bit more because you, know, you shouldn't be in it to make everybody else happy. But when it's people that matter to me, it really, it hurts me to my core if I disappoint them. What challenge in your life has shaped you the most, would you say? My first marriage, I would say that is, I was married for, well, we were together for 21 years, married for 19. Yeah. Big part of my life. And I don't believe that I would be who I am today if I hadn't gone through it. You know, you hear people say, if you could go back, would you, would you still get married? Yeah, I would actually. For all the heartache and some of the crap that we ended up having to go through, we also had good times and it's who I am and I wouldn't change who I am now for anything. There you go. That's the important piece, right? Because that's it. You know, these experiences shape who we are as human beings. So if you went back and changed it, you wouldn't be who you are today. Absolutely. And I, I would not change it for a thing. And I would never, obviously, I would never want to give up who my kids are. But I feel like I've grown and matured just like my kids did. And yeah. I wouldn't change that for anything. It, it was absolutely what probably has shaped me the most in who I yeah. am. Absolutely. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? Don't rock the boat. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> I think I'm going to rock it a little bit. Yeah, a little bit more. <laughs> and, and a little bit more. Yeah, especially I think for women, they get that, whether it's direct or subconsciously. Yeah. So they get that, you know, seen, not heard type yep. language. For sure. For you know, sure. Oh, are you sure you really want to bring that up? So, yeah, I, I got okay. that quite a bit, I would say, throughout my life in some yeah. form or another. Yeah, don't rock the boat. And I went through a course and they, they actually, we had to come up with a phrase that we wanted to kind of be our anchor. Mine was, yeah. was compassionate disruptor. <laughs> I was just going to say disruption. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What makes you happy or brings you the most joy? Oh, my family, my, my husband, my kids, I got two beautiful grandbabies. So yeah, my, my family brings me a lot of joy for sure. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Oh gosh, there's so many, some of them I would love to be able to go back and have conversations with my grandmothers, but I would say probably Liz Gilbert. Okay. And because her book, Eat, Pray, Love, and I'm sure she's yeah. heard this from countless numbers of women over her life, but reading that book gave me the courage to finally say, I don't want to be married anymore. And I would love to be able to sit and have a conversation with her and first and foremost, be able to thank her for helping me to understand some of what I was going through in my marriage and then to dive into everything she's learned since. And I listened to her podcasts and I, I read a couple of her other books and stuff like that, but to just have a conversation with her about that, I would love it. (laughs) If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Start your self-discovery journey earlier. Don't wait until you're 40. You know, you have a gift for the world and you need to start looking at that a little bit earlier. And lastly, Jody, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your people, your tribe, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Every experience you have in life shapes who you are, where you are going and where you're going to end up. 
take every opportunity you have to learn, shift, pivot, course correct, because it's never ever too late to take that next step and lead you to amazing things that you don't even know yet. Because everyone has the potential to be great. And being great doesn't necessarily mean wealth and great success. Being great means that you have lived your best life. And being that someone special to someone special in the world, you never know what kind of an impact you're going to have. So live each day as if today is the day you're making a difference. Today is the day that your life might change. And today is the day that you might be remembered forever. So make it count. Beautifully said. Jody. thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and for sharing with us and myself a bit about your story and your journey. It's been an absolute pleasure having the opportunity to sit down and speak with you. Keep shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world and doing the beautiful work that you do. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. My pleasure. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Jody Graham. She's a certified collaboration coach and a financial professional. Thank you, Jody. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Sounds great. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.